Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest independent startup community. Inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe in partnership with Google for Startups. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high-growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There's no time to wait, so let's begin. This episode is brought to you by 99designs, the global creative platform that makes it easy for you to find and work with amazing graphic designers online. Founded in Melbourne, like that. From logos to websites to packaging and books, 99designs is the go-to creative resource to build your brand on any budget, which is super helpful for entrepreneurs. And right now, our listeners can get a free $99 upgrade on their first design contest. A contest is a great way to get started and find the right designer for a long-term work. You can also book a free design consultation with a brand expert at 99designs to receive personalized design advice over the phone. Their team of design experts has helped thousands of business owners. It's a great way to get the most out of your experience with 99designs. It's all simple. Just go over Head over to 99designs.com slash startupgrind for your upgrade and to sign up for a design consultation today. Fun fact, by the way, our founders Joel and Derek met on 99designs. There's a funny YouTube video promo for 99designs, an old school one, where we are literally in the garage. Check it out. It's worth a watch. Thanks, 99designs. Hey, y'all. Chris you back at it again. Dream Pushes Startup Grind, and I'm with my buddy Vic Rambarati today, the founder of Tribe Theory, a hotel for entrepreneurs that's recently rebranded to Draper Startup House. Uh, took a big check from Tim Draper there, and um, are now lucky enough to be part of the Draper Startup ecosystem. And um, I just love this business. I've been following the journey. Pretty much since day one, I have a good buddy, George Siosi, that went to work for Vikram at the first location in Singapore. Um, and it just makes complete sense to me that, you know, the as entrepreneurs, we have, you know, we have events we can go to, places to work, but we have do not have a place to stay. And Vikram solves that problem and solves it well. So when you're traveling around the world and then, you know, fast forward to today, they've got nine locations around the world. They're in Manila, they're in Lisbon, um, they're in Singapore, obviously Bali. So all these kind of tech hotspots and tourism hotspots. And um, you have the ability to touch down, get connected with the local ecosystem, stay at their place. Very, It's very affordable. We kind of backpacker prices join in an event, get to know, you know, who's who and what's what in that ecosystem before you're going to, you know, set up an office or, or, you know, look to seek investment and all while having conversations with the people that you want to. You're surrounded by other entrepreneurs that want to, you know, you know us, we love talking about our products all day. Probably going to, uh, you know, probably going to do your head in after a couple of weeks. But, um, a completely different experience to you know traditional backpacking where you know you, you're drinking every night or whatever else is more about the party this is about um getting together with people that are you know focused on changing the world it's super cool it's resonating with entrepreneurs around the world locations popping up everywhere with draper on board they're going to launch their first location in austin in the next couple of months so this is the story of draper startup house enjoy Vikram, welcome, my friend. How are you doing? 
Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Mate, I, um, you know, I'm super excited about doing this interview. Um, you know that I've been following the journey since my, my buddy George joined you in uh, Singapore. Um, but can we, can we go back? Um, well, first start, what is the, give me the pitch on, on Draper Startup House. Sure. Um, the, the pitch is relatively simple. We're, we're building a hospitality business, which is merging the hospitality business and uh, entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem together. So we're building a chain of sort of affordable uh, hotels slash hostels uh, that aggregates sort of people who are traveling around the world who may have ideas to build something, who may be working on projects, um, and then we aggregate them and help them build their dreams, essentially. And so um, sort of if you look at typical um, hospitality businesses, they generally focus on you know, just purely accommodation services, beds and you know, food, etc. cetera. Uh, we, we're doing that, plus we are helping people with uh, you know, education, with access to capital, with mentorship, um, and really building a layer of uh, entrepreneurship on top of uh, physical spaces. Brilliant. Now, let me, let me go back. I usually go back a bit, and you've um, got quite an interesting background here. Let's start with, um, I guess, J.P. Morgan. Sure. Um, do you well? Yeah, I so, quite, so you quite have a, a you have a background there. in finance. Is, is that is that? Yeah. So I, I I started my sort of professional career um, at, at JP Morgan in, in banking, and it was a, it was a great journey. I spent about close to seven plus years there. Uh, you know, doing various different things, working in different departments uh, in different areas, mostly in in uh, in the U.S. So I was based in Los Angeles, but I did a stint in Seattle. Um, you know, covered some clients in the Bay Area. Um, so yeah, I, I sort of did a few couple of interesting things um, uh, at the bank, and it was a, a really really good experience. I learned a lot. Um, one of the things that I admire about working in large corporations is um, you get exposed to things that you would normally not get exposed to when if you work at a small organization. So, you know, working at a big organization like JP Morgan, you're, you're dealing with large clients, you're dealing with large projects, governments. And so that exposure factor, I think is, you know, has been very helpful for me in my professional development and sort of like the way I see the business world. Was there any, was there any property in, in that you were looking after in the, in the JP Morgan bit? Like finance you mean for property? And then, like real estate properties. Yeah, yeah. No, I no, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't in at all in the real estate uh, area of the bank. Um, I was mostly dealing with sort of corporate clients um, in the early stages. We were helping uh, large uh, sort of public traded um, technology companies, sort of helping them, you know, manage their money essentially. Right. Uh, and then uh, later on, I you know worked on uh, on a team where we were dealing with sort of um, government organizations. Um, but yeah, no, we, we, we you know, I, I actually sat on a floor where there was a real estate group, um, but I, I, I was not involved in the real estate piece. Probably, probably wish, wish you listened in a bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it, for sure. I mean, it, that, that whole part of real estate banking is, 
you know, definitely a very interesting uh, business. So fast forward after, you know, JP Morgan, I imagine the investors love seeing that on the CV anyway. Um, was it the um, looking after ventures in Asia or was it the, 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 the big trip before or after the next role? Yeah, so in in um, in 2014, I I'd been at JP Morgan for a while, and um, I was really sort of enjoying my experiences there. But I, I did notice that I was losing my my identity, my personal identity, mm-hmm. um, because generally when you get you know deep into working in a large organization, um, you know the, that 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 job or that organization sort of becomes really part of your DNA. And I noticed that my my personal identity was sort of having a bit of a crossover. And if, you know, people would ask me, "What well, you know? Tell me about yourself." And the first thing I would say is, "Hey, I I you know I work here and I do this." Um, and you know, I just noticed that that was not what I was really. I, I didn't want to lose my personal identity, yeah. and so um, I decided to really sort of focus on what are my passions and what do I really want to do. And one of the things that I really wanted to do was really just travel. Um, so this was uh, the big trip. This is the pre This was the big, the big trip. trip, yeah. Yes, so can, that's right, yeah. Can I say, so it was 50, 50 cities? Um, no, I, I think I covered more than 200 cities. But 200 it was cities, 50, 50 countries. 50 countries, yeah. It was more, actually. It was 50 plus, but... Well. I, yeah, it's about 50 countries, yeah. So tell me about that because this is like, a, you know, well, it's a dream of many of us. How, how did you like, did you, um, you know, obviously leave, leave, left the bank with, with some money in your pocket, I suppose, and, and sounds like maybe a little a little burnout at the same time? Yeah, I, I definitely had um, a component of being burnt out. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, in these organizations, but yeah, there was there was a burnout factor, but it's also I, I felt I felt I was losing my passion, yeah. um, and, you know, and and so generally I don't mind working really hard, but if there's no passion there, it's sort of hard to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I had a bit of savings, and so I decided to sort of just travel around South America. That's where I began my trip, and I kept everything sort of under very very tight budget, you know, stayed in hostels, mm-hmm. did a lot of sort of hitchhiking, couch surfing. Um, and I was traveling solo. So I always looked at staying in places that are very social in nature so I could meet other people. And um, the goal was to just do that for six months and sort of like take a sabbatical and, and travel for six months. Um, but I, after six months were over, uh, I wasn't ready to, to get back in, you know, in the game. So I kept going and that ended up being sort of two years of me traveling around the world. Was there like random fruit picking jobs and stuff? How did you, did you, um, did you, um, was it planned or you kind of went with the breeze and met some, met some cool people from Brazil and then went to Brazil? How how did that kind of journey (laughs) go? Yeah, so I actually had no plans, and that that was the experiment I wanted to do on myself. Uh, generally, I was a very planned person, but on this trip, I essentially had no plans. I, I didn't have, um, you know, uh, uh, the the cities I would go to sort of laid out before. I would essentially just go to one place and spend time in that place, meet people, and see, you know, what would inspire me to get to the next place. Mm-hmm. So generally, I would meet people, I'd learn about a new city or a new country, 
Uh, and I'd sort of just, if that was inspiring from, you know, if I was inspired to go there, I'd just go there. Uh, in terms of jobs, I, you know, I did a lot of reading while I was traveling. Uh, I did a lot of uh, stuff online. Uh, I did some projects online. I did some freelancing online. Uh, I didn't do the fruit picking thing. I think generally that's, that, that's, that, you know, that's something that's very common in Australia, I think. Um, but I, I only spent a little bit of time in Australia. Uh, but I did, I did work in hostels. So I, because I was staying in hostels, I'd go to these small hostels and they would need help, uh, you know, manning the front desk or doing housekeeping or entertaining guests, taking them out for social events. Um, yeah. So I, I did a lot of that and got free accommodation in return. And I, I really genuinely loved, loved it because, um, it was, you know, it was a very social thing and, and I'm a very social person and I, I had never been exposed to sort of like the backpacking hostel culture because uh, I grew up in the U.S. where that culture is generally not, you know, it's not a very common culture. Whereas I think if you're from Australia, Europe or uh, these places, generally you get exposed to that, you know, you have gap years, etc. But for me, I, it was a much later uh, experience in, in life, but I, I absolutely loved it. And then did you kind of um land in singapore and and think this is going to be home for a while i like the idea of doing some you know you know venture capital projects how how did it kind of evolve into the next role yeah so coming to singapore was a very uh, it was coincidence um, I was so part of my travel. I spent some time in Thailand, in Bangkok, mm -hmm. and I got involved in helping build a few startups. Uh, so we were trying to build this incubator uh, with some other people, and we had a lot of these ideas that were incubating. We were incubating, you know, like food delivery businesses or plastic surgery marketplaces. Uh, so essentially, there were about seven or eight ideas <clears throat> that a, a few of us got together and we were incubating these ideas. And um, I was, uh, I came to Singapore to raise capital for a few of these ideas. Uh, that was sort of like my first uh, foray into the venture capital space, capital space in, uh, in Singapore. And um, uh, the, the thing that brought me to Singapore or made me move here was I, I met a girl while I was traveling mm -hmm. and uh, we started dating and it so happened that she was living in Singapore. And so we were doing some back and forths and uh, time came for one of us to, you know, make a move to the city where we lived. And I decided to move to Singapore because uh, it was a lot easier for me to do that. Yeah, well, I love, I love Singapore. I think it's a great, great city. Um, and so then, then now, um, did one of these, um, you know, uh, venture capital firms that you pitched say, hey, look, don't like that idea, but you want to come work for us? <laughs> how, did it, how, did it, how did it become a, a job? Well, yeah, that's, that's actually exactly what happened. Um, I, when I moved to Singapore, I needed a job because it's an expensive city. And um, I started sort of talking to all the people that I had built a network with. And one of them, um, uh, it's, a, it's a really awesome uh, company. Uh, they're doing great things now. Uh, it's called Repra. At the time, it was a very, very small uh, firm. Um, uh, there were some Japanese uh, entrepreneurs who had, would set up a fund, and they were, you know, they had just sort of set up the fund, and they were investing in in um, in early stage companies. So when I was, uh, you know, incubating these ideas in Bangkok, I had been speaking to them about 
uh, maybe raising some capital for uh, some of our companies that we were building. And uh, that didn't quite materialize. But when I moved to Singapore, I, I reached out to them and they were like, hey, we're actually looking for someone to uh, sort of lead the investments of the fund, uh, go scout for things and make deals happen. And that sounds, that sounds like um, a pretty good gig. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they were like, hey, are you interested? And they were, I think they were looking at the time for someone like me who, you know, who had sort of corporate finance background uh, from, from an institutional perspective, but then also had experience in really, you know, building and uh, incubating uh, early stage ideas, which I had been doing in, in Bangkok. So they felt that maybe this could be a good mix um, and so, yeah, they, they offered me the gig, uh, and it was awesome. I, for the next year or so, I sort of was running around Asia. Um, we did about, I think close to 10 investments, um, in Indonesia, Philippines, Malaysia, India. Uh, so it was a, it was a terrific experience. I absolutely loved it. And then was there just a, you know, I think, you know, I often hear this with, with venture capitalists um, that had some sort of entrepreneurial side that kind of itch to get back to being an entrepreneur kind of takes over, right? Is that, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, when I was in Bangkok and we were building all these, you know, various different um, uh, companies and ideating and really incubating some very interesting ideas, I, I was really, really loving the idea of, creating something and, and building something and, uh, you know, getting your hands dirty. And so when I was <clears throat> doing the venture capital stuff in Singapore, uh, you know, you, you talk to hundreds of entrepreneurs and you see, you, you talk to hundreds of companies. Um, it, it can become very, you know, very exciting. And so it was very clear to me that I, I wanted to sort of get back into building something, uh, as opposed to, uh, investing in other people's uh, ideas. And so I, I sort of pitched the idea to the fund that we should build a chain of hostels around the world, um, which would become a place for, you know, all these traveling ideas to come together. Uh, and uh, we would essentially not have to run around the world trying to find these ideas, but these ideas would sort of aggregate in, you know, these spaces um, and they, and they, they love the idea and, and, um, the founder of the company basically said, um, yeah, it's a great idea. You should go build it. And so, so I went out and started building it. Fantastic. Um, but, but this is physically building stuff. This is not SaaS. This is, you know, property now. So, um, yeah. what, what, what happened? How did you get the first location or was it the first location that kind of sparked the idea or? the other way around how, how did how did you know um well was tribe theory at the time um building number one come about yeah so i i think the process actually started much um you know a few years before that so when i was traveling around the world and staying in these hostels i i noticed three three very important phenomenons or three um forces uh in in hostels one of them was one of the one of the three forces was in a very small space. You can actually aggregate people from all around the world in a very small space, and that's a very very powerful sort of force. Uh, the, the second thing I noticed was all of these spaces. If you're aggregating all these people from around the world into tiny spaces, it can also become a very powerful distribution point. 
uh, distribution of ideas, distribution of you know social circles, etc. Uh, the third thing I noticed was generally the people who are staying in these sort of hostels are you know in a very interesting period of their lives, right? They're they're either uh, roaming around to find the next inspiration, which was that was me. Um, they're you know they're uh, looking to learn new things. Maybe they've had a heartbreak and they're they're sort of roaming around the world. Uh, you know, so I call them seekers. So mm-hmm. generally, people who kind of travel around the world and backpack and stay in these hostels are sort of young seekers, and which is a very very important and uh, time of people's lives. And so these are three very interesting and powerful factors that I, I noticed while I was traveling. But the the insight was all of these spaces were only doing travel and tourism. Yeah. So they were taking these three forces and layering on, you know, pub crawls and city tours and essentially just tourism, which is great. But I, I was very clear to me, uh, the insight was clear to me that there's a lot more you can do with these powerful forces. And so when I was thinking about the next thing to build, uh, it was very clear to me that I did not want to build an internet company. I, I had no interest in building uh, anything that had to do with, uh, you know, SaaS or anything that had to do with sort of software layer. Uh, I wanted to build something that was that had like a very much of a hardware component to it. And so the idea was, okay, I was running around the world sort of or running around Asia sort of looking for ideas and young entrepreneurs to invest in. Um, what if we just built these small spaces around the world that, that could have these folks aggregate? And so that, so the idea, you know, was sort of born um, while I was traveling. And so the execution of that, when I, I sort of pitched this idea to, to the fund I was working at, and they said, go build it, um, it was, the, the parameters were, made it uh, easy for me because they basically said, look, uh, here's a small check, build us a prototype, and you have two months to do it. Nice. So it, it gave me a very, very, uh, it gave me a constraint of time and budget. And so I was trying to figure out um, how to how to do it uh, in that constraint. And uh, near my apartment that I was living in, uh, I'd walk past this, this um, backpacker hostel uh, all the time. And it was just in a great location. I mean, it's just like the best possible location in, in Singapore. And I'd walk past it every day. And uh, when it, I was sort of confronted with this constraint, I thought, well, maybe maybe that's a place we you know we should start. So I started looking into the space, and um, I, I noticed that there was a plaque outside uh, which had the history of that building. Mm-hmm. And when I read the plaque, it gave me goosebumps because it was exactly what I wanted to do. And and the, the, so the history of that building goes. That in 1881, um, there was a 16-year-old carpenter from the Guangdong province in China. He was he wanted to sort of spread his wings and venture out, and so he ended up on a on the boat with Raffles, uh, Sir Raffles, the British, um, uh, you know, commander who colonized Singapore. He ended up on the boat with him. And Raffles asked this little, you know, this 16-year-old kid to go out and plag the, uh, plant the British flag and do some scouting for him. So he did that, and um, in return, he got a piece of land that Raffles gave him, and he used that piece of land to start building businesses. So he was doing like timber and spices, 
and he became a very, very successful, you know, entrepreneur, a very successful businessman. They actually say Aceh, his name is Aceh, was Singapore's first entrepreneur. And so when he became successful, he wanted to give back to, to the society. So he set up China, uh, Singapore's first Chinese clan or associations. Uh, China, uh, Singapore has a lot of these uh, Chinese clans from different provinces of China. And, and this was the first clan. Uh, and the idea was all these people coming from his province in China, the new immigrants, they would come to the space and they would, that's where they would make friends. That's where they would make business contacts. It was sort of a landing pad for them. Um, and that building was the, the headquarters of the first Chinese clan. And when I read that story, I was like, this is the place. So yeah. I, 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 I went in and I asked for the owner um, and started talking to the owner and asked him if he wanted to, you know, what, 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 he, what, what, what were his plans for the business. And it was very clear that he wanted to sell the business. So I bought the business and turned it into Tribe Theory. Uh, and the name Tribe Theory was an inspiration from the story, which is, you know, the theories of how um, you know, different groups of people have not only um, uh, not only prospered, but have uh, really thrived by helping each other and, and, and being in communities and and really looking out for each other. So, you know, there's a lot of theories of how we're all uh, folks who, who survive and thrive based on our social surroundings. So this is the name Tribe Theory was inspired by that story. Uh, and the building was sort of the inspiration point for that. And uh, so, yeah, um, we within two months, we my wife and I, we bought some wood, we made some t- tables, we did some construction and uh, launched the space. And, 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 you know, within a few months, we started seeing sort of magic happen where all these entrepreneurs from around the world, you know, from Brazil and from England and from in Australia, they would literally end up in this small space because they're looking for sort of a hostel type of uh, accommodation. And, um, you know, we, we started doing networking events and we started having, you know, investors come uh, and talk to these folks. And it was very clear that that idea um, had a, a bit of a product market fit. And so um, so then we, you know, said, hey, look, we have a we have an MVP, we have a proof of concept and it seems to be working, what do we do next? And so we put up another space to see if, you know, if this is actually would work in a place like Bali. And it was started working in a place like Bali. And so we kept expanding. And, and, and um, that, was, that was two years ago. And uh, now, you know, we have sort of gone into the second phase of the business. So first, that, that story is incredible. You need to put it on the site. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. Yeah, that's great. Um, and before we jump into the, you know, to the Draper stuff and phase two, um, it's very obvious to me that, you know, the importance of community, right? And obviously it sounds like that was something that you kind of, you know, loved about your travels. It's something that you've kind of put in your business. What, 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 why are you drawn to that? Why is it important to, um, think about community, um, if, if, I, if I'm a startup? Yeah, no, that's 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 a really really good question, and I've been you know very clearly thinking about the the idea of community for for a while, um, and trying to find my own meaning of community. 
And so I, I think community is a word that is, you know, it's very wide and it's, it has a lot of, uh, it can have a lot of different meanings for, for individuals or groups of people. So I don't think there's sort of one definition of community. Uh, but from my personal experience and why I'm drawn to the word community is, um, and it comes from my, my travel experience, and that was I was always looking for a purpose. Uh, I felt uh, I started traveling because I, w- I wanted to find the next thing that would that would bring life to me, you know, that would make me alive, uh, that would make me feel, um, you know, uh, full of full of life. And so that that seeking of that purpose or seeking of that thing that would make me uh, feel very alive was what I was seeking. And that's why I started traveling. And so I was drawn to the different groups of people or communities because it would sort of help me find my purpose. And, and so when we put up our first space in Singapore, I was sort of first proof of concept, the community we were building was around a purpose. It wasn't just, Hey, movie nights to make friends, uh, or, you know, uh, uh, happy hours for sociability. It was really around the purpose of let's help each other fulfill our dreams. You know, whatever it is, if you're trying to build a brownie business, let's 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 come together and let's help this person build a brownie business. Yep. Or if this person is trying to build, you know, a blockchain or, or sort of deep tech, let's let's help this person build their dream. So the community that we decided to build was around a purpose of helping create businesses. Uh, and that specific purpose, um, because we had, you know, it, it was tangible what we were trying to do. Um, people started gravitating towards that idea and, and sort of really our thesis is, and the thesis of Draper Startup House, you know, tribe theory back then was we feel that entre- the, the, the idea of entrepreneurship or the, the mindset of entrepreneurship is, uh, probably the most powerful tool humanity has to overcome any challenges or find solutions to any of our problems. Um, and so the more entrepreneurship can be, um, you know, put into the world, the more, um, you know, we are likely to create a better society. And so everything we were trying to do, the community we were trying to build was, had a purpose and it was to foster entrepreneurship, to build businesses, to help people with their, uh, you know, entrepreneurial mindsets. And so for me, that is um, what community means, is rallying around a certain purpose and not, not having a very broad definition of community. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. Um, so mo- moving forward, yeah, look, I totally agree. Um, purpose and, 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 you know, the people, grab, you know, your people just naturally gravitate. It's, it's all there. And then, uh, you know, like you said that, Particularly with the travel, when people are seeking, um, they then know where to go, right? Um, um, if I can now, you know, put it in context for, for the listener, I suppose it's gone from Singapore to Bali. Now you're in, um, you know, Bangalore, a couple in Bangalore, Manila, um, Lisbon. Um, I'm missing a couple of others here. Um, yeah, Estonia, Estonia, uh, Myanmar, Yangon, and uh, now Austin. Austin. So, it, 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 people love the concept. You've you, you've then gone. Look, let's let's make it bigger. Um, the team at Draper obviously thought it was great. They've just you know made a big investment. You now um, 
Draper Startup House. Um, tell me a little bit about that and um, just being mindful of your, of your time, um, the, you know, the future of Draper Startup House. Yeah, yeah. So when, when we started Tribe Theory, it was really just an experimentation. And I, and I think for, you know, in a, in a certain way, we're still in an experimentation phase. But the experimentation was, hey, can we, can we build spaces, uh, you know, hospitality spaces uh, with, with, uh, uh, and create entrepreneurial ecosystems through a new business model? And so, you know, I, when I was in Bangkok, we were building an incubator and it was very clear to me that that business model was not working because it had, um, you know, you, you have to have capital for at least five, six years if you're trying to build an accelerator or an incubator. Um, because you're sort of hoping that one of these companies will succeed, uh, and, but that's a five, six year endeavor. And so how do you pay the rent in five, six years? How do you pay for salaries? So I, I felt that a lot of, uh, accelerators and incubators, uh, some of them, you know, did well, but most of them struggle because the, the underlining business model doesn't work. And, um, and I looked at sort of the hospitality business and I said, I, we looked at it and said that the hospitality companies that do well generally are about a 20% margin business. So if you're looking at sort of a typical hotel or typical hostel, if you run your operations very efficiently and you do a very good job uh, of, you know, the management of that business, it's about a 20% margin business. And so we said, why don't we combine the two? Because now the combination of the two uh, would mean that that 20% margin business would pay for the operations of the space, of the people. And then if you layered on, you know, these incubators and accelerators or these academy programs that we're running, then then that would be a new business model. And so the, we were always seeking for a new business model to build these entrepreneurial ecosystems. And so I think what we're trying to do is an experimentation to find a, a third way of doing things. You know, the first way is traditional hospitality. The second way is, you know, venture building and building entrepreneurial ecosystems. And the third way is combining the first two to see if this is a new business model. And, you know, for in some places, the business model for us is working, in some places it's not. But the idea of trying to create a new business model to spread entrepreneurship around the world, um, was something that was very interesting to, you know, the, the folks over at, um, you know, Tim Draper's, uh, world. Uh, they, they, they came across us, uh, through sort of happenstance. And I think what attracted them, attracted them to look deeper into us was the fact that we were trying to create a new business model. Uh, because if you, th if you look at the Draper ecosystem, you know, they've been doing this for a long time. Uh, Tim Draper has a university. He has a venture network of you know, 23 funds around the world. Uh, you know, he has a co-working space in San Mateo and the Hero City. And he's got, you know, they have, they have this massive entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so they, they know the game. They've been doing this for a very long time. Uh, but the, the, the fact that we were trying to create a new business model, a sustainable business model, uh, was something that was very attractive to them. And, you know, knowing them uh, now, they, they generally like to invest in new ideas and new concepts and new business models. And so that's sort of what attracted them, attracted them to us. And um, the proposition was, uh, uh, was an interesting one, which is we're trying to build an entrepreneurial ecosystem of our, our own through a new business model. 
And, you know, Tim Draper basically said, hey, I have an existing ecosystem. What if you join our existing ecosystem so that you will have the reach and the, and the breadth to expand this new business model um, and become part of the Draper, you know, you know uh, brand? Uh, and so, yeah, for me, it made a lot of sense to do that. And so we joined forces. Uh, he put in a little bit of investment. We're now part of the Draper, Draper ecosystem. And the future is we want to uh, really create a new hospitality category. Uh, what we're doing is a brand new category that hasn't existed in the world until today. And we're very early stages, but we see the potential uh, why can Draper Startup House be, you know, synonymous to, let's say, uh, you know, the, the Marriott group or, or any other hospitality group um, that becomes sort of a commercialized brand that everyone understands that, hey, if I go stay at this place, uh, it's not just about the accommodation and, and the safety and, um, and, and the convenience. But there's going to be a lot more value there. You know, there's going to be interesting people staying there. They can help me with my business or help me create. Uh, maybe I don't have an idea, but maybe they can help create an idea. It's a place to fulfill my dreams. And and I, I feel today in today's hospitality category, there is no category that is trying to address how do we help the people inside the spaces? How do we help them fulfill their dreams? And so we're trying to do that, and we feel that you know we're committed over the next 10 years, we want to create a massive, commercially viable uh, hospitality category, which helps create and enable you know, 1 million entrepreneurs all around the world. I love it, man. I love it. Um, and hopefully Australia is next, next on the map. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we're very excited about the possibility and potential of what we can do in in Australia. And so we have just started um, sort of dipping our toes and, um, you know, trying to see what, what, if, what and if we can do anything in Australia. So I'd love to reach out to anyone listening to this podcast who may want to get involved in helping us put up a space uh, in Australia. Um, you know, please, please reach out to me because I think what we have today is we have a great brand and we have a global network because we're already in eight countries. And so we have a bit of momentum. And I think Australia is, you know, it's a country that is looking for the next industry that they can really break into as a sort of a global economy. And, um, you know, it's gone through a lot of challenges and so I think fostering entrepreneurship in Australia through a viable commercial business model uh, is going to be something I think that's going to be great for the country, not economic, not just economically, but socially uh, as well. So I hope that we can partner up with, uh, you know, large corporations, organizations, uh, government organizations to say, hey, yeah, let's let's build a hotel for entrepreneurs in Australia and let's connect that that node to the rest of the world and and have you know all these people who come to Australia to backpack. Uh, and this is something, the reason why I'm very interested in Australia is because I did, you know, I spent some time backpacking in Australia and I met a lot of the folks coming from Europe and Germany and, and, and the Netherlands who come to Australia on a gap year and they go and pick fruits, right? Which is great, it's a great experience. 
But what if, you know, these gap year students in Australia uh, from, from Europe or from other parts of the world came to Australia and, and, and instead of picking fruit for a year, Did, you know, join an academy program, yeah. you know, yeah. join an, uh, a program where by the end of that year, they could have built a few businesses, yeah, right? Um, and this is why I love the idea of putting this in Australia because Australia already has uh, a system and a process to get you know, young folks to Australia to come and get involved in the economy, right? Whether they're bartending or picking fruits or whatnot. But what if they could do more value-added stuff as in, hey, maybe they can build, you know, um, uh, an, a, a, you know, a startup of their own, or maybe they can help other people build a startup of their own. Um, so I think Australia, for me, already has this framework, already has the, you know, the, the, the connections and the, and the, and uh, sort of um, uh, process with, you know, relationships with other countries where they do send people over. Uh, so they have these treaties, et cetera, where certain countries can get the gap year visa or whatnot to come. So wow, why, why don't we target that group? And then instead of them picking fruit, let's help them build a, a company or help other people build a company. So I, I, I'm very, very bullish that, you know, we, we can do this because it's, it's already existing. We're just... We're just repurposing that idea with with an entrepreneurial uh, idea. And 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 one last thing, because I'm just uh, make sure that you get the, you know, um, the value out of this, because I really appreciate your time too. Um, and given this is the the startup growing global podcast, mm -hmm. um, you still got you still got massive plans, in, in in the US, I saw Austin coming online. Um, is Europe on the map, or you're just looking at continue, continuing the, the you know the Asia expansion? What else is what else is on the on the roadmap there? Yeah, uh, so our ambition is that we want to have Draper Startup House in every major city of the world, and and we want to do this in the next ten years. So in the next ten years, we want to have a Draper Startup in every major city of the world. We want to touch at least a million entrepreneurs. So that's the ambition. Um, and we want to build a commercially viable hospitality business that could potentially go to the public markets. Um, and if I look at, and I think we can do this because you know there's precedence, right? A lot of hospitality companies, uh, very successful hospitality companies are all around the world. So we just need to find the right system and process to sort of package this idea where we have um, a really solid business model that can create a lot of value. And, and I think it can be done. And so we, right now we're in eight countries, um, predominantly in Asia, Europe, and now in the, in the US. Uh, so we have teams. We, we have uh, a team in Europe who's ready to really knock this out of the park in, in all of Europe. So we're looking at a lot of uh, countries. We have about 20 countries in the pipeline um, all around the world. And in Asia, we have a solid team that's not now looking at Japan, looking at Taiwan and Hong Kong, and looking at you know, Malaysia, looking at Vietnam. And then we have a team in the U.S., which is launching its first space in Austin. But the goal is to have this in you know, all the major sort of entrepreneurial hubs all around the U.S. And... We're now looking at Africa and South America. So we're in discussions with some folks in Argentina to potentially put up our first space in Buenos Aires. And that be and that could be like a hub and spoke 
kind of model where we have a hub in say one country in South America and then um, you know build out the rest of the uh, the continent from there. Same thing in Africa, we're looking at Nairobi as potentially our first space and then branch out of there for the you know the the, con- the subcontinent uh, of Africa. So we definitely want to have a Draper startup house all around the world because we see the value and we see that the business model can really really work. Um, and so if you want to get involved uh, in this project, no matter where you are in the world, uh, we're, you know, we're very easy to reach. How can they reach you, Vikram? Is a good one to, to finish on. Yeah, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Vikram Bharati. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's probably the best place uh, to reach me. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Um, love the concept now as I have day one, and uh, best of luck with it all. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at an event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.